Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. 135 in Edmonton. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. All April, enjoy a free 2-liter Coke product with the purchase of any two large pizzas. You can order online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Royal Pizza, where the Stoffer recommendation is the Mediterranean chicken. At this time, we're going to be joined by our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We welcome back to the show Edmonton area product, longtime NHL player and broadcaster, Alan May. Hi, Al. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me back, Bob. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you made quite the uh, impact on your last appearance on the show, so that's always a good thing. There's an old saying, love me or hate me, just don't like me, or something like that. I think Kenny Reed used to tell me that all the time. Ken's now with Sportsnet, but anyhow, uh, hey, look, I, I know you reached out uh, during the course of last night's game. You were watching it. You, you have the privilege of working on the Washington Capitals broadcast, watching a team that's been a perennial you know, candidate to win the Stanley Cup the last several years. Uh, it's pretty amazing uh, what McDavid can do and how he can take a game over, isn't it? Absolutely, and I love seeing him playing pissed off last night. He took some big hits, and you know he was 100 miles an hour, and it seemed as the longer the game went on, he, he channeled his anger into his offense and, and really got an uptick in his offensive output. I just thought last night he, he was on another level. He's always on another level, but last night, in such a physical game, and I, I call that the first real National Hockey League game I've seen all season. I loved what I saw last night from both of those teams. I, I like the hitting, and there were real hits. I looked at the hit chart to see what they were tracking, and uh, it, it, they were really tracking the hits. Not like in Pittsburgh where you can have a hundred hit game and you can't remember one hit. So it's uh, <laughs> it, it was real nice to see McDavid, and just the way he took over the game in the third period was absolutely phenomenal. All right, you played in a slightly different time, uh, to say the least, uh, but you played against some of the greatest players of all time. Uh, and it was the Oilers, for me, they're two best guys. You mentioned that, you know, Montreal came out banging. They got a real physical defense. That's, you know, Weber and, uh, Petrie, and then they got Edmondson and Sherrod on the other side. That's a big D. Uh, and the Oilers were on their heels a bit in the first, but it wasn't just McDavid. It was, it was also dry settle. Anderson took a pretty healthy run at him and Leon, you know, cross checked him right across the the chicklets and protected himself a bit with the stick and I'm going to assume since you played against Mark Messier and with Mark Messier at time you probably didn't have much of a problem with a star player buying him a little bit of space like that no not at all I think those guys have to do it back you, you see the amount of things that get away so there's so many calls already when McDavid's got the puck and you know the hooking the tripping and then all of a sudden it'll fade away in the game we've seen a lot of times that they called every penalty on every infraction against him the Oilers would have about 20 minutes of power play time a game. But I think it's important that the players, you know, back themselves up and don't take it all the time. There are times that you can retaliate, but there, there's times you shouldn't, uh, of course, and that goes without saying. But it is good when those players get, give it back. I know Ovechkin, we saw that 
you know, the, the, the one in the berries that he threw last, what, two months ago against Trent Frederick, who's been, you know, an utter nothing ever since then. But he was, he was given the business to Ovechkin. Ovechkin took his stick, hacked him between the legs, and then everyone else sent a message to him after that. So I think it's important that the team stick together, but sometimes the top guys have to take matters into their own hands as well. How infectious does it become for a team when you got two players of the caliber of McDavid and Drysaddle and they're physically engaged like that? When you're a further support player in the line, like we always know that Archibald's going to bring it. I know you like Archibald. He's, you know, he hits every game, but you know, it was a playoff game. Everybody was battling and answering, uh, you know, the Canadians firing that first salvo off with the degree of physicality that they had out. Well, it, the biggest thing when you have your top guys going at it like they are, it just reeks of good leadership. And, you know, it's a trickle-down effect that everyone else on the team says, he's all the way in today, I've got to do way more. You know, Archibald can't do what McDavid does at the puck, neither can Zach Cashin, of course. Right. But what they did last night, you know, six hits a guy, seven hits, Devin Shore was involved in a kid that comes in the lineup and who's trying to make a, a name for himself as an NHL regular. You know, he, he stuck to the nuts and bolts of what he needs to do to be, be on the ice every game. And I, I just thought the role players in Edmonton last night with Carr out, that everyone stepped up and, and started to get involved. I really liked the look of the team last night. And you could tell that, you know, it's been a mishmash, you know, plugging guys in, stuff, a tough salary cap situation. And, and guys are buying in to what the coaching staff is selling. And they've got good pieces. They're guys that are coachable and want to be in the lineup and do the right thing. And, you know, even I look at Tyson Berry, you know, he, he's not being a high event Tyson Berry. He, he's being an efficient player out there. And I think the trickle down to Ethan Berry has been better is making better decisions out there. So, you know, a lot of things are falling into the for the Oilers right now at the right time as they get ready for the playoffs next month. You played with Dave Tippett. Are you surprised that he's getting this sort of buy-in from his players? No, you know, the number one thing he has is he's a communicator, and he's done it everywhere he's been. You know, he's an old teammate of mine, but he was also my coach. Uh, my last year I played pro hockey with the Houston Arrows. And, you know, he just got an incredible way of communicating with everyone. And he does it different to everyone. It's not one size fits all. He's just got an incredible way about him. You know, you've traveled with the team back when we're all allowed to do that. And yep. he, he knows how to handle everyone. And he, he makes everyone. sure. And one, of the thing, and one of the things I really like is the guys who are in and out of the lineup, they understand. So they're not walking around pissed off with a bad attitude affecting everyone else. They understand what their role is. They still got to bring it. I remember, you know, Paul Bissonette, uh, you know, he didn't play a whole lot of NHL games and he didn't play a lot when Tip was the coach. But Tip knew, he said, you're going to be in a warm-up. You've got to handle the music in the dressing room. You need to keep the mood light. You've got to keep the guys ready. And, you know, he, he would dress up, and he knew he wouldn't play. And that type of buy-in from your players, it's, you know, it's incredible. Guys are lucky. Everyone listening to the show wishes, you know, they, they could play in the National Hockey League. And, and guys are fortunate. And, and Tippett makes sure that he reminds guys, you know, what their roles are. And it's great to be a part of a team, whether you're a – a half a season guy, a quarter season. And I just, uh, you know, I, I'm jealous of what the today's players get from the good coaches, the guys who communicate. And Tip, really, there aren't many guys that can communicate better than Dave. Well, I know you're one of the guys that uh, really liked Matt Hendricks uh, from his time and how he evolved as a player. And I think back to the 2017 playoffs. He didn't play a lot, but he was a part of things. He was out there taking pregame warm-ups. At one point, Al, he actually made the bus wait for the team's broadcaster to finish doing the afternoon show, the second bus out of the pond in Anaheim, so he could get back to the hotel. He said, we're not leaving until Stauffer gets down. I couldn't believe it. Like, I was in shock that he would do that. So I didn't have to, you know, take an Uber or whatever. That's just who he was. And those are the sort of guys you need at times, aren't they? 
Absolutely. And, you know, the great thing about Matt is, you know, he and nothing was easy for him in his career. And, you know, he didn't really become a, a regular until he was about 28 or 29 years, more on the 29-year-old side of it. And a kid that came out of Minnesota that, that scratched and quite he figured it out. You know, he wasn't a guy that was fighting in junior hockey and doing all these things. And, but wait, you know, let, let's go at it. Let, let's stick up for my teammates. First game with Washington Capitals. There was a player, uh, I think it was Greg Campbell, that a cheap shot at her or took a hit at Ovi at the end of the season before, and no one liked it. Or maybe it was even that preseason. I'm getting older now, so some of my facts get a little dodgy. But, you know, the very first game that Matt Hendricks ever played for the Caps, the first thing he did was go after Gregory Campbell, you know, had a good tilt with him, and then he got a hat trick in the next game in a preseason game. So guys like that figured out they know what's important. And, you know, the, the one thing you have to have, and, you know, Mark Messier was probably the, the greatest ever uh, from what what I've been around and what I've witnessed in my short time is that, you know, everyone was a part of the team. He treated everyone incredibly well. And I think guys like Matt Hendricks, you know, they hear stories of players like that and they take little snippets of it and they add it to their own arsenal, but you have to have team players through and through and guys that really understand their role. I look at Alex Chason, talk about a guy, you know, that understands his role, like how hard and heavy he is in front of the net, how he goes there. He knows what his job is. It's to bounce pucks off of his body into the net, create havoc near the net. But you have to know your role. You have to step up. You have to be a great teammate. And that not just happens on the on the ice and on the bench. It's in the room, the planes, everywhere you're at, these guys matter. Well, and we can relay the story on Messier, Al. Uh, Darren Landon, I don't know if you ever fought him. Uh, undersized guy, real good technical fighter. And when he got called up for the minors, he he comes out of like uh, either Moose Lake or Deer Lake, Newfoundland, whatever it is, and Mess, you know, he steps up for Messier and fights in the first game, and Messier goes, "We're going shopping the next day," and then he takes him down to Brooks Brothers and buys a, a guy on a minor league uh, deal, a couple brand new suits. He says, "You're traveling with the NHL team." He looks at the guy and says, "Hey, suit me up, you know, suit my guy up," and that's just the sort of leadership Messier had. Absolutely. You know, that I don't know all the real details of that story, but every version of it that I've ever heard, I absolutely love. So, you know, everyone's got a slightly different version, but I absolutely love that because that's the exact type of thing that he used to do. And, you know, I know the stories of Wayne as well, you know, having everyone would be living at his house. And, you know, they always had mess did the same thing. Guys ate pregame at their house and they just took care of everyone. I Those things matter. Uh, you have good cultures. You have to have teams that like to, everyone likes to be around. And when you have a team, could have malcontents on them, and they got guys that bad actors or breaking the rules. You're not going to win. And you go back to all of the teams that have won. They're always the closest teams there are. It doesn't matter what levels you're at. It's hard to win with bad apples in the lineup and around and around the team. And that goes for the coaching staff as well. I think it's got to be 100% buy-in from everyone. Everyone's got to be – you don't have to be best of friends, but everyone's got to be in it together, and those are the teams that go the furthest. We're joined by Al May, longtime Washington Capitals analyst and former Capitals player played close to 400 games in the NHL. Al, you, you just said that was the first playoff game played last night between Edmonton and Montreal. Wait, wait, wait a sec here. I'm watching Washington and Boston. And they've been going at it pretty good too, haven't they? Uh, it's nothing like that. But you know what? They, they, <laughs> no hit, no. I call it the no hit league right now. There's not enough hitting to me. I'm not trying to be a dinosaur, but I still want some impact. And there's been a lot of swinging. Guys go into their their positional defense, and they're checking the puck more than they're checking the body. And there's times to take the body, and there's swings, and not just the dreaded swing, but now there's the dreaded loop where you take the you know, like a turn like a 747. So it's, 
it's not my brand of hockey right now. I hope that it starts to pick up. And, you know, the, the, the media is making a bigger deal out of the Washington-Boston games because there really haven't been a lot of events in them. And, and when they are, I think they get exacerbated and blown way out of proportion. Well, Wilson got Carlo. That was part of it. Uh, you had, by the way, like I, you played against Martin already growing up. I, I had a couple games against him. I wouldn't even dump the puck into his side of the ice. Cause, but I got to tell you something. Martin already never put himself in a position to get hurt. The way Jared Tenorti, I mean, he got hurt against Pittsburgh, and Jared Tenorti's huge. He's like six, he's, he's bigger than his dad. His dad could take a punch to the face. I mean, he got hit as hard by Bob Probert as anybody, and it didn't even buckle him. I don't have to tell you on how tough Mark Tenorti was. Uh, pretty tough guy, eh, back in the day? Uh, yeah, he was a former teammate as well. I fought him, I think I fought him a couple of times over the years. Uh, I played with him in Dallas for a brief while, but and you know, but then again, Bob, we go back. The hitting was different. We were able to use our sticks as far as you kind of rope a guy with your stick. It was more like a hook or an obstruction. You would take him into the boards. Yeah. So the hits now are more impactful because you've got to line guys up because right. you can't use your stick. You can't slow them down. And Tenorti the other day, you're, you're so right. And victim shaming. Oh my God, I can't believe you victim shamed the guy that got it. You know, but uh, Tenorti, Jared Tenorti does put himself in bad positions on the wall. The game against Pittsburgh, that should have been, he should have had a stick up. He should have been well aware of the players on the ice. And then against Washington, he turned into that. We see that a lot. And too many, too many players do that now. But Jared's been on the side of it too many times. And, you know, that, that cut that he had the other day, I don't know what else, you know, happened with, with the injury, but that was a ton of blood. But it, when I played, what we would have done in that situation, if you're Hathaway, e- even though Tenorti turned, you would have wrapped him up, put one stick, your hand, your top hand with the stick in front of him, and the other hand, you would have carried him into the boards. He wouldn't have went over. And we hardly saw that hit back in my era because the, the game was different. The rules were different. But you've got to be careful in those situations. And, I, and I, it's the same thing. You can't trust the opposition. I don't care if it's McDavid coming at you or, or it's a Kachuk coming at you. you you've got to be aware of your surroundings, and you've got to be careful when you're on the wall, where your head is at, how your body's positioned, the way you take those hits. And there's sometimes you take the hit, but you've got to make sure that you're set up for it. Tenority p- turned himself into that play. That's why there was nothing extra. And I was surprised that the, the officials actually went in the box and came out with a five-minute major on Garnet Hathaway the other day. But that one, then again, we don't know what a hit is. We don't know what a suspension is anymore. We don't know what a penalty is in a lot of these cases. Because they're really critical game-to-game, week-to-week. Uh, <laughs> I think you're speaking the language that a lot of old-school hockey fans want to hear. Final one for you, Anthony Mantha. A uh, bit of a conundrum for the Detroit Red Wings team at times, but he's been pretty good since he's gone to the Caps. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. A quick defense of him and anyone else that plays for the Detroit Red Wings. Get, name five players on their roster, and you're going to win a brand-new car. But anyways, so, you know, it's a, it's a tough situation playing there. You know, they're, they're a bottom dweller. And I played on one bad team in my pro hockey career, and guys are pissed off and grumpy all the time. Uh, you try to go hard, and some, you'd be going as hard as you could, but nothing would go right, and you just get down in the dumps. And I look at players that go to those teams. They start off well, and then they taper. Now you get a kid that goes out of there. He went up 23 places in the standings. He went from last place in his division to first place in the Eastern Division. He walks in the dressing room. And he's got two living legends, two living NHL legends. He's got Alexander Ovechkin, right now the second best goal scorer in the history of the game, in my opinion. And then he's got Zidane Charles, you know, the super freak at 44 years old. And then you scatter in, you got Backstrom, and you got Oshie, and you got Carlson. They didn't have any of those guys in Detroit. They had Dylan Larkin. 
And I, I look at those guys. He's got to be the happiest guy. He went from hockey hell to hockey heaven. Uh, you know, when this building's full, it, it's incredible. We're not going to have fans probably till next season, hopefully. And it, it's really good for him. He doesn't have to stand out. Remember when Detroit used to have all those first-rounders and yep. they'd go to the minors and then they'd come up and they wouldn't have pressure to be a superstar right off the bat. They'd go in and find the role, and then all of a sudden they'd carry on. And they didn't have that. He was one of the – you know, he played two years in the American League. I think Larkin was the first guy that didn't have to go to the AHL. But, you know, he's fit in very well here. I'm going to be excited to see him play on, you know, on the right wing with Ovechkin as well, hopefully with Backstrom in the middle, and uh, see how those guys play. But he can play left wing or right wing. And when you're on a bad team, all people do is point out your flaws. I think we heard that with the Oilers quite a bit the last last decade or so. So yes. it's just a matter of yeah, it's just a matter of a young guy going to a, a more positive situation where he's not expected to, to to lift the team and put him on his back every night. Al, love the energy. Thank you for taking time to join us on Oilers now. Yeah, take care, Bob. Thanks for having me again. Bye. You, you bet. That's longtime Washington Capitals broadcaster, former Caps player. Al May, born, uh, I believe, in Barhead, and uh, played for the uh, Canadian Athletic Club back in the day. Literally willed his way to the uh, National Hockey League. Brendan Escott, I sent you a text, just an FYI. Uh, I don't know if you happen to see it. Uh, I will tell you at this time that there's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less than Wetaskiwin. Brent Ridge Ford, 10-time President's Award winner for customer satisfaction, open six days a week to serve you, while following all COVID protocols to protect both customers and staff. Uncle Milt says they're low on used vehicle inventory which makes now a perfect time for you to sell you can reach the gang at brent ridge ford at 1-877-477-3673 or visit brentridge.com as we go to this day in order's history for dennis and jason laliberti and the team at new west travel and here's brennan escott yeah, back in 1991, Peter Klima beats Kings goaltender Kelly Rudy at 4.48 of the second overtime period at Great Western Forum to beat Los Angeles 4-3 and tie the Smythe Division Finals at a game apiece. Adam Graves and Essa Tikkanen had uh, multi-assist games, while Grant Fear stopped 46 of 49 shots. Brennan, if you had told me after the Oilers lost in seven, blowing a 3-1 lead to the Kings in 1989, that Edmonton would beat L.A. in the next three playoff series in 1991-92, I'd have said you're crazy. But they did it, and it was awesome back in the day. Let me tell you. Uh, all righty. Uh, Coming up uh, tomorrow, uh, John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling at 12.30. David Staples from the Call to Hockey. And Brian Lawton for the NHL Network for our friends at Mattress Superstore at 1.35. What does Reed Wilkins have cooking on Inside Sports tonight? As I bring up Dave Campbell's text messages, you'll hear from the aforementioned Kelly Rudy, uh, as well as insider for the NHL on Sportsnet, Chris Johnston, and former Oilers defenseman and current president of the OHL's Hamilton Bulldogs, Steve Steos. Absolutely great guy. We will tell you that uh, coming up uh, today at 2 o'clock, Jalen and I will have 6.30 chat afternoons and... Uh, that's after a global news weather traffic update. We will rejoin you tomorrow with a preview of the Oilers and the Montreal Canadiens. Game two of their two-game series. Oilers coming off a 4-1 victory. Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, will have more clarity tomorrow morning about his availability. We know Jake Allen likely to start for the Canadiens. Carey Price out for a week. Thank you once again for listening to Oilers Now. Have a terrific day. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.